are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Happy Friday and welcome into another edition of the Locked On NBA podcast, the best place to hear the latest and greatest news around the association from your Locked On Podcast Network hosts. Uh, I'm Tony East filling in for either Wes Goldberg or Adam Mares today from Locked On Pacers and filling in for the other one of Adam Mares or Wes Goldberg, whichever you prefer. Andy Kamenetsky here from Locked On Lakers. Andy, free agency's wrapping up. It's about to be time to talk Summer League, but I think we should sneak one more free agency news extravaganza in under the wire. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it, man. By the way, I only fill in for Adam. It's in my contract. <laughs> okay, I am Wes Goldberg. You are there Adam you Mars. I, I suppose that is fair and how we how we will tackle this. So the big thing, the big news out of New Orleans. We'll start there. They've been a very, very newsy team this offseason, which is good, both good news for them and sort of interesting news for them. Uh, but the big one is Zion Williamson signs the five-year maximum extension per uh, I think it was Brian Windhorst on the Hoop Collective that's going to have some injury protections in there, which is great news for the Pelicans. It's also great news for the Pelicans that Zion Williamson signed this at all after last season. It looked like when he was rehabbing in Portland and away from the team, it may not happen. So the fact that New Orleans was able to keep him in and have him do it in front of the so desperately wanted him to stay, big win for the Pelicans. Pelicans to open free agency. Yeah, it was both, I think, really symbolic and ironic at the same time that he did this signing with around like 80 kids from a local YMCA camp, Tony, just because there had been this question of Zion's commitment to the organization, to the city that, you know, he he arrived in the NBA as this automatic star. You know, I mean, he was considered... You know, Bigger, you know, bigger than the game in certain respects. And like when he's been able to play, he's met the hype. Zion is a really, really talented player. But there had always just seemingly been that question of, does he want to be in New Orleans? Is the organization well run enough? You know, it, it had been some chaos upon his arrival. And then he had been so disconnected from the team for most of this season until – they started making that push to you know the play-in and then actually making the playoffs. And just having representatives from the city, like actual locals, you know, kids there that may one day, you know, be wearing their own Zion jerseys while they're, you know, in the driveway or playing against their friends, you know, wanting to grow up to be their local hero, that's gotta feel pretty good for the uh, for for the Pelicans today. They got dragged through it last year. You know, I mean, that was a worst case scenario for them. The injury obviously was bad enough itself to have it become a problem and be tumultuous and to get so public. You know, it's always frustrating in these situations because the player never speaks. So the, the fans are like hearing the team side. And just for them, it's like, yep, he's gone. And we don't really know why. To have it flip so much like this in the situation that you just described. I mean, unbelievable day for that franchise. Honestly, like I did not think it was headed for this. I thought he would probably get to restricted free agency next summer after a year of proving how healthy and talented he could be. So that that, that is an insane turnaround um, from New Orleans. And, and now they have been commonly linked to the story of the offseason as a natural follow-up to this. Zion Williamson, when he last played a full-ish season, whatever a full season is for him at this point, was an all-star at age 21, 20 years old. 
uh, two seasons ago, he was an all-star. He is a stud. He is not, you know, injuries have held him back from reaching the height that the hype got him to be, but he is a stud when he plays. And the Pelicans also have two recent lottery picks on their team. And, you know, they have Dyson Daniels in there. They also have Brandon Ingram on their team. They have a lot of stuff, and they've got some salaries. You know where I'm going with this? They're a Kevin Durant potential team. Not talked about as much as the Raptors, not talked about as much as the Suns, but they've got the juice to do it, and they've got Zion Williamson. And I think they'd be a pretty interesting fit if they were to pursue a guy like Kevin Durant because he would fit extremely well, complementary skill set-wise, with a guy they now have under contract for five years in Zion Williamson. Yeah, I... (laughs) It's really fascinating because uh, David Griffin's done a great job, much better than it seemed like things were heading even just a year ago of actually building out a roster, you know, and it and it looked not that long ago like this thing had been kind of spinning out of control from him. You know, I mean, Lonzo Ball ends up leaving for nothing. And, you know, it's seemingly the, the organization had been disinterested in him almost from the moment they they acquired him in the Anthony Davis deal, and you, you were wondering like, why exactly? Like, you know, he's somebody that plays well with Zion. You know, he he's a good defender. He can help. You know, at point of attack, which you could use with a guy like Zion, who towards you know closer to the basket isn't necessarily uh, particularly good on that side of the ball. Like, they looked like they were. It looked like they weren't growing something together. And then, you know, they make the C.J. McCollum deal, which ends up throwing in Larry Nance Jr., who is a terrific, terrific addition for that team. Herb Jones ended up one of the best uh, picks from the draft. You've got a guy like Jose Alvarado. Like, all of a sudden, they're in this position where there's a foundation being laid. And if guys can stay healthy, particularly Zion, you can see where this thing is going. So then you have to ask this question, do you blow it up to some degree for Kevin Durant? Like, do you look to fast track it maybe beyond where it actually is to bring in one of the best players in the league, but he's going to be turning 34 this upcoming season. He has injury concerns of his own. He has concerns about staying happy wherever he is. Do you it's a weird thing to say with Kevin Durant, but you know, and a, and a team that had to use the play in to get into the playoffs. But do you risk what you have to bring in Kevin Durant? And and I don't think it's necessarily as easy a question as it might seem just on its face. Yeah, I think and look, Griff built the team around LeBron, like that was his thing before the Pelicans, so he knows how to do the star building thing. So the question for him will be how confident is he that Zion plus KD plus whatever he has left can be a title contender? Because, look, between – you already named a bunch of them, but Herb Jones and Jackson Hayes barely even plays for them, but he was an ex-lottery pick and Trey Murphy and they have Devontae Graham for salary and Jonas Valanciunas, Brandon Ingram's a stud, a million Lakers picks. It's not that many, but since you're the Lakers, so to have to include it, I think it's like a law of the, of the podcast. <laughs> no, there's a, there's a fair amount, Tony. There, there's a lot going on there. Dyson Daniels, who they just picked, like their offer would be sweet, sweet stuff. And they'd still probably have some of that stuff around or CJ as well. Like CJ's not going to be in the trade. Like they could be pretty dang good. But the flip side of that is they're already looking like they're going to be pretty dang good, even if they don't do it because they have Zion and all that stuff and all the Lakers stuff. So like 
yeah, Kevin Durant's really good. He's the kind of guy you hope you can get. Is it worth it compared to what Zion plus that team could be? And especially to your point of like, do you ever really know if he's happy in your location? Let's say you don't do the Kevin Durant trade. Then you one day trade Zion and you still have all that stuff in place plus those pieces you get. That's also a pretty attractive organizational direction. So they have a pretty interesting decision to make on how confident they could be if they even have a chance at Durant in like the Durant, McCollum, Zion stuff team. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's also a, a complicated question because they're not going to be trading Zion on, on a few levels. First of all, I think because of CBA rules, they're not going to be able to trade <laughs> Zion for The whole Kevin legal Durant. part of it, yeah. Right, be, uh, because he and Ben Simmons couldn't be on the same team because of CBA rules with rookie extension. It's complicated, but I, I'm pretty sure I'm correct. They can't be on the same team. And then with Kevin Durant and not knowing exactly – what he seemingly wants right now, it creates a really interesting question of how long is your window with him? Like how quickly do you need to win beyond the fact that he is on the the back end of his prime? Because if there is any type of discontent, then your organization could get thrown into turmoil again. Flip side of that though is Zion is a big dice roll himself and he's had a lot of, of, I, ironically, if Zion had been healthy enough that he could play, could have made him even more attached to the to the Pelicans. It might have actually emboldened him, though, to just take a qualifying offer and you know try to get himself into unrestricted free agency that much faster if he didn't have to protect himself in certain ways because of his injuries. So just the, the Pelicans are just in this really really interesting place that I you know they've never really been in before even I think in Anthony Davis's prime because they're they're just always seemingly been this expectation that he was going to bolt at some point and the organization just wasn't even close to well run enough that you'd have confidence in him David Griffin's starting to do some positive things in New Orleans so you know I think we'll really get a good idea this next season exactly where you know just how attached Zion is to this team that's going to determine everything it will determine everything. It will determine if they are willing to gut a bunch of assets for a, a stud player. Speaking of gutting a ton of assets for a stud player, I have been working on my transitions, if you can't nice. tell. Let's pivot over to Minnesota. This is weird to say. This was going to be going to be one of those weird ones where you see the guy in a New Jersey and it takes a while to get used to it. Rudy Gobert in Minnesota introduced to the media. Had some interesting stuff to say about Utah Let's talk about that team now, but really quickly before we do that, Andy, I want to tell everybody about Truebill. Do you know why free trials were new without your consent? It's a business scam that's out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app. It helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 per year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. But Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts, and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in just one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions. You don't even have to do it. They have over 2 million users and have helped them save over $100 million. So don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA can save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Speaking of payments that will renew every year, I think Minnesota owes Utah a first-round pick every year for quite a long time. 
Big trade, Rudy Gobert in Minnesota. I've run out of puns to fit in. Let's just talk about it. Gobert was introduced to the media in Minnesota after attending a Minnesota Lynx game. And look, first of all, the trade value is what it is. We can talk about that a little bit. I actually really like the bet that Minnesota is making. And John Krasinski, if you haven't listened to it, low post interview, Zach Loaded with John Krasinski, I think spells out why perfectly. Minnesota's franchise has been terrible for a long time. They've made it out of the first round, I think he said this correctly, once in the last 33 years. I understand the value is what it is. I don't think it's good value. But I agree with that assessment that at that point, when you're finally ascending as a franchise and you have Cat and Anthony Edwards, go for it, man. Get a fan base behind your team. Try to be good. Try to make something happen. Because if Gobert plus Cat works and Ant ascends to the player he looks like he could be, this team is really good now, and Rudy Gobert comes in and says, I came here to try to take this team to the finals. Andy, do you think they can be that good, and do you like this gamble from Minnesota? Um, I like the gamble from Minnesota for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned. And you know, the idea of whether or not Gobert can lead them to a championship, it's a relevant question because obviously that's why you make that sort of move, and, and they did give up a lot in draft capital and, you know, not necessarily a ton in players like other than I think Jared Vanderbilt's a kind of a sneaky underrated player in the league. But for the most part, they didn't give up anybody that they're really going to miss or certainly that is close to in value as as Gobert. But I also think are they going to win a championship is the wrong baseline to examine this question because the Timberwolves have been out of the second out of the first round of the playoffs once in their entire existence the year of Kevin Garnett's MVP season 2004 they went to the Western Conference Finals and got knocked out by the Lakers that year the the year they ended up losing to the Pistons um there this is an organization that needs to build a not just a winning culture but a competitive culture and they're starting to move in that direction. They had a better season than people expected last year. But they need to make sure that they're building on that. And they need to be addressing the things that they didn't have, namely defense. And Rudy Gobert adds a dimension defensively that few other players around the league you know, can, can do. I mean, it, just the, the paint protection, the rebounding you know, he he legitimately makes it a nightmare to score down low. And he can make it so I think guys like, you know, Anthony Edwards and McLaughlin can can develop into wing defenders in their own right because they know they've got that back line there. I think they can find ways to make Carl Anthony Towns a little more comfortable defensively, maybe bring out a little more utility in him and as opposed to trying to make him something that he isn't. And I just think you got to go for it if you're an organization like Minnesota because you are not – I don't care how good they become. You ain't getting free agents. It's too cold. I mean, just the weather alone will prevent you from ever getting one. You got to roll the dice, and I like that they're doing this. Yeah, they're best players, right? They drafted Anthony Edwards. They drafted Cat. They traded for Russell. They've now traded for Gobert. They did not sign outright any of those guys. So, yes, I agree with you there. It's their, and Getting a three-time defensive player of the year – that's how you do it in, in a market like Minnesota. So, again, question the value all you want. But I do, I like you, like the gamble they've made, especially given their franchise history and the other part that Krasinski and the low post. I'm going to keep citing that because I listened to it today. 
rightfully filled in. Two, they're, they're doing an ownership change, right? And new owners want to always step in and say, all right, new, this is our thing, right? This is our team. This is our franchise. This is what we're going with. So they go with Rudy Gobert. And, and uh, you know, especially in a league that's going for skill everywhere, getting two huge guys you know, will, I think, give them some advantages. Will it work in the playoffs? TBD. I don't want to pretend like I know everything, but maybe. I mean, here's the thing, though. I mean, there are issues that Utah had over the past couple of years with Gobert defensively and matchup issues that, you know, when you try to spread out a defense and, and what exactly you do with Gobert. But at the same time, if you're really watching what was happening, particularly last season, Gobert was not the problem defensively. Not at all. Like, not I mean, the issue he had was that he that his head was on a swivel constantly because there, other than Royce O'Neal, nobody on that team could defend at all. And the, really, the idea of what you do with Gobert in a spread out floor was actually the least of their problems. And I think in a lot of ways, it was kind of a red herring in terms of the way people were talking about their issues. And Gobert is just, I think part of this is Gobert is a polarizing personality. You know, he yes. seems at times to great on teammates. He's not necessarily endeared himself to a lot of fans. He's always going to be remembered as, you know, patient zero for the beginning of COVID with the nonsense, touching all the recorders in that press conference. And like, I'll give you an example uh, over at uh, locked on Lakers and our Twitter account at, at cam brothers, total fake trade idea. I threw out there just as a thought experiment, Tony asking our Twitter followers and our, you know, podcast listeners to to weigh in would you do a straight up russell westbrook for rudy gobert trade you know the obviously you're getting this big upgrade defensively rebounding you know a lebron ad rudy gobert defensive backcourt could be an absolute nightmare to go but up against you get a lob threat you know it's a big contract for sure but it's an upgrade over russell westbrook who laker fans are dying to get rid of the poll came back 41 for uh 51 49 no which goes to show just how polarizing he is and again almost a 50 50 split so like the polarization is damn near equal and i think a lot of that is rudy's image as opposed to his actual value as a player so again i like what minnesota did yeah i i agree with all that definitely polarizing especially on a team where it was kind of like it ended up being one star versus the other in Utah. You know, is it Gobert's team? Is it Mitchell's team? Now, it's definitely Mitchell's team. And this is something else Gobert said in his presser. He was asked about the exit from Utah. This is the quote verbatim, so bear with me. It's kind of longer. He said, sometimes the window for winning is not always big. And for us in Utah, that's kind of what happened. I think the organization felt that we had maybe passed that window that we had over the past few years. I think they're still going to be a very competitive team. It just felt like with all the assets they could get for me, it was better for them to go that way. So one, Rudy Gobert acknowledging how insane that trade was value-wise, <laughs> which I think is very funny because he was the guy that was traded for, but he's absolutely right. What an equal a- stroke, by the way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He's absolutely right, though. Utah, they said, okay, Gobert plus Mitchell is our core. We'll try to get the pieces around it. That's a short-windowed core because they, they – we're not perfectly gelling, and it did not work. They never even made the conference finals. So Utah moves on, and they have Donovan Mitchell and a bunch of world players who are either good at offense or defense, but none of them are good at both. And I have no idea where they go from here. But uh, I think Minnesota is a very interesting competitive team, and I think uh, I think Utah's got some stuff to figure out. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's Donovan Mitchell's team uh, for how long I think is a very TBD <laughs> item. Uh, if, if, they, if it's the team they have right now, I, I'll help you. Uh, not very long. <laughs> they need to do something to get some stuff around that guy because that is not a not a playoff threat as of now is my assessment of the current state of the Utah Jazz. Let's talk about some signings that maybe flew under the radar or were really good values for team this free agency. And maybe that could be a star, but those guys get discussed all the time. Did any of the lower level signings? Really impress us. We're going to do a power rank because that's what we do here on Locked in NBA on Fridays. Before we do that, though, let me talk to you guys about BetOnline.net, your number one source. For all your betting needs and sports info, you can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball, all over at BetOnline.net. And BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, live betting, esports, and scores. They've got lines up for everything on there, including they already have NFL Week 1 lines up, which is crazy. I live in Indianapolis, so I've been watching the Colts opening line market against the Texans on the road. They're favored by eight, but I don't think the Colts have ever done well in their opening game ever. Not that I'm a betting insider, but I would not be too confident in the Colts to win a game by eight points at any time in opening week right now. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. They're the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head over to that website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action at BetOnline, where the game starts. Let's talk some free agency value signings. Power rankings are top three. Would you like to go first? Would you like me to go first? You go first, Tony. Okay, my number three value signing in free agency. A little biased because he used to play for the Pacers. Is TJ Warren. TJ Warren on a minimum contract to the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Great value to me. If he's even close to the player he was pre-injury, which obviously you never know. He has played four games in two seasons. He's played 71 games in three seasons. That's very few. But if he's even close to get that guy for the minimum is an absolute steal for the Nets. Uh, I'm reserving comment on that for the time being. You can probably, if you have any savvy for how these sort of rankings work, you can probably <laughs> figure out why. Um, Understood. My, my number three, Danilo Gallinari going to the Celtics. That is, a, you're, that's a great, great value. Basically, at a mid-level exception money, you're talking about a guy who's been a double-figure scorer for essentially his entire career. He's a great outside shooter. He can create his own shot. He's experienced. He is going to be hungry for what the Celtics, who went to the finals last year, can offer him. I think he is an absolutely perfect addition for a team that we saw as the finals went along, despite having uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They were lacking scoring punch and lacking some reliable scores. I think he is exactly, in a lot of ways, what they were missing in that run of the final. So I, I think that is a terrific pickup. Brad Stevens gets one step closer to rostering 15 players who are all six foot eight or six foot nine. That mm-hmm. is uh, his dream, and it's very successful yeah. so far. He's not necessarily the most switchable defender, Kalinari, but I think they, yeah, they can figure out ways where, to make it work. There's a reason he's not going for much more money, but I do agree with you for what they need specifically. He is very helpful, especially just even in that system where – between Derek White and Smart and Brogdon and Tatum and Brown, if he even if he's just reserved to like a one dribble spot up guy, great role for him at this oh, stage. Yeah. Doesn't have to move that much. 
not that mobile anymore, but still a great finisher. And his one dribble moves are so buttery smooth. I think he can still be a threat there. That is a good one. I considered him. He just finished outside. So great choice there. My number two value signing. I loved this free agency. This is one of my favorite signings in general in this free agency. Bruce Brown to the Denver Nuggets. Two years, $13 million, $6.5 million per year to Denver. Maybe you think that's fair money for Bruce Brown. That is exactly what the Nuggets need, similar to the Gallo thinking for Boston. They need any sort of size defender. Jeff Green could not do it enough last year. They had some guys who were okay at it, but not really. Bruce Brown can do it. He might be a part of their best defensive five they've had around Jokic ever in the era that he plays. He might be in the best five-man lineup at all they've had around Jokic in the Jokic era. Uh, great fit for that team. Great value at that spot. He can be a good cutter off of the best passing big ever. Uh, and he's a great defender. Even if he can't do anything on offense besides cut and hit twos, that's a great fit and a great value to me. Yeah, I, I really thought about Bruce Brown. The only reason I left him off is just I was trying to go in descending money for mine to really start getting down to value. So uh, he was basically the same as Gallo. But I, I love that Bruce Brown signing as, as somebody who both covers the Lakers and roots for the Lakers. I was disappointed once I found out that he actually was available for that type of money, that he was not the Lakers mid-level exception guy. I sincerely hope that they at least put out a serious offer. Uh, We don't need to go down this rabbit hole. but (laughs) uh, My number two, Dante DiVincenzo with the Warriors. Um, He's got a little bit of injury concerns. You know, he's not coming off his best season because of that, but He's a really experienced player who's been a part of deep playoff runs. He is not going to be needed to do more with the Warriors than I think he is capable of or maybe rounding into form, hopefully getting back to the player that he was. But in the meantime, though, playing off the bench, I think he's going to be particularly valuable alongside Jordan Poole. And you get a guy in the backcourt who can actually take up some defensive slack that you, for the time being at least, do not have with Jordan Poole. And again, if if he reverts back to form, he's a good outside shooter. He can do a bit of playmaking. He's very smart. He is really tough and will fit in uh, into that culture. So, And for two years, $9.3 million, that is a really good gamble by an organization that can afford to do it. I I had him fourth. (laughs) I made more than three just in case these lists went competitive. Uh, So he's a good value with that number anyway but for golden state who lost Otto porter and gary payton really early in free agency Mm -hmm. and needed somebody so bad so they weren't relying on a bunch of rookies next year in the wing they definitely needed divincenzo so great value for that team he's on specifically and the defensive part is the big part to me because he'll be playing a lot with pool who is the notoriously only weak link on defense for that golden state team great fit that team needs young guys like crazy anyway to sort of develop something into the future. They can't keep winning forever, right? I keep saying that and it keeps yeah, happening. Yeah, I, I always <laughs> think Dante's older than he actually is. It, he's like 25, it, right? He's pretty young. Yeah, yeah, he is younger than I – whenever I look it up, I'm like, wow, he really – like it seems like he's been in the league longer than he actually has been. I would like to congratulate the Lakers' actual mid-level signing instead of Bruce Brown for being my number one answer. I'm going to surprise you a ton here. Mm-hmm. Oh, you are going to surprise me. You are talking to someone who is extremely high on Lonnie Walker. And I think that might be one of my favorite value signings, and I put him number one, of the offseason. To get a young player developing, athletic, can shoot it a little bit, has gotten better every year, got to learn how to shoot 
under shooting coach Chip, now playing with LeBron in a spaced out better for him spot on that Lakers team and can add athletic defense to that team that needed any wings who can defend. Yeah, I love the Lonnie Walker signing. Wow. I, I, let me say this right now. If you, are, value. if you are looking to get crossover listeners <laughs> from the Locked on Lakers podcast, this is a strong move because – See, you said you wanted the Lakers to go for Bruce Brown. I would rather do the Lonnie deal than Bruce Brown. If I'm oh, my there. God. I could not disagree with you anymore. <laughs> I actually don't like the signing. Um, I am very high on Lonnie Walker. Wow. That, look, man, again, this is a great way to, you know, expand beyond Indiana and ingratiate <laughs> yourself with West Coast listeners, specifically in Southern California, because they're probably tired of hearing uh, my brother Brian and I crap on that signing. But I, I did not really like it at all. So uh, I, I'm more than happy to end up wrong. So I, I'm hoping you're correct about this. My number one is TJ Warren. I don't understand how he can't be anything other than number one. That guy. At a veteran's minimum, he he had three straight seasons scoring anywhere from 18 to 20 points. Two of them, he was 40% from beyond the arc. All three of them, 49% or more from the field. Like, even if it doesn't work as well as Brooklyn wants, like, if he plays, if he plays and is just moderately respectable, just in terms of a dollars-to-production Ratio. I don't. I don't know how TJ Warren can't. Uh, TJ Warren can't win that one. Yeah, I, mean, I have two theories here. Either one is the medicals might just be like awful, like completely right. awful. Because that. I mean, a minimum contract that's unbelievable. Or two, he was just the, he's unrestricted, right? He could have just been dying to go to Brooklyn, right? And in that case, that's all they. That's all they can offer. And it, I mean. It uh, you know, Brooklyn's a fun city. Nobody's <laughs> dying to go that bad. <laughs> Nobody's passing up millions yeah. of dollars to go to Brooklyn. Like, like I cover the Pacers, right? So I knew his situation, I believe, as well as anybody. Like, he was full participant in practice in March. Like, he is ready to go to the extent that a guy can be ready to go coming off of two foot fractures. So, I mean, there has to be something I'm missing here because in my head, here's what I kept thinking. He'll get, like, three for 30 with like half of it non-guaranteed in case yeah. his foot is a disaster. And everybody I talked to was like, yep, that makes sense to me. And then he gets $2.9 million. It's like, man, that is that is excellent work from the Brooklyn. I team. am. I, I was shocked. I, I like. I thought maybe he'd end up with like a like a taxpayer mid-level, something That's like that, to account for the injuries. But I, I was stunned when I saw that they got him for a veteran's minimum. I mean, that's just, you want to talk about, from Brooklyn's perspective, can't, possibly look like he could he could not show up and they arguably win like <laughs> i mean it's that good a value and if, if look at i think this is all a bluff i'm assuming you do too but if somehow they end up keeping kd or Kyrie, he fits really well with them anyway so there's I, no risk at all i that's a have called bs a few times yeah. on the <laughs> yeah. well just on the idea that durant won't report and actually i don't think Kyrie would go through with that either because you know Durant he's going to be 34 and I don't think he's going to want to just sit out one of his final prime years I mean beyond how much he loves basketball I just don't picture him wanting to waste one of those years just because he's unhappy with his situation and Kyrie if Kyrie sits out he may be done like is that yeah. would be career yeah. suicide and as we saw when Kyrie opted into his contract and didn't light $30 million on fire, you know, and just take a mid-level with the Lakers, he may be 
unreliable. He may be flighty. He may be, you know, fancies himself this otherworldly thinker. He's not crazy. Like people need to remember that. Not crazy. He he cares about actually making this money. He cares about extending his career. It at least would seem. Yeah, I agree with all that. And so we'll see what happens. But regardless of what the Nets team situation is next year, it could be me, you, uh, and two other locked on hosts as the other four <laughs> starters around TJ Warren. That's an excellent signing. Andy, thank you very much for chatting with me today. Everybody, thank you for listening. You got any parting words for everybody today? Uh, locked on Lakers, first listen. <laughs> locked on Pacers, second listen. That is there always the route to go. Uh, it's summer league time, so I'm assuming you'll get a lot of content from that next week. As we speak, Paolo Bancaro and Jabari Smith Jr. are playing against each other. We could have stayed up till 3 a.m. We probably could have covered that a little bit, but such is life covering this stuff. You'll hear all about that, I'm sure, this weekend. From Locked On Hosts on Locked On NBA, thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great weekend. We see you soon.